0: Now, the rulings regarding Hidad. Hidad, what does it mean? The word Hidad means imtinar, to abstain from something, to stop something, to refrain from something. You see the word Had, what does Had حد mean? Hudood, limits, right? So Had is a limit. What does it mean? That when there is a limit, when you reach the limit, you must stop. You must not go past it. So for example, if the speed limit is 70, what does it mean? That when your car hits 70, then you must stop accelerating. Correct? If there is a road, alright, and there is a dead end, what does that mean? Or there is a stop sign, what does that mean? You have to stop at that limit, you cannot keep driving. Correct? So just like that, hidad is a state in which a woman will refrain from certain things. She will stop herself from certain things. You understand the meaning of the word hidab? Hmm? Okay. Now, what is she going to stop herself from? Primarily, for the widow, she's not going to remarry. They will lie in wait by themselves. What does it mean? They will not get engaged. They will not get married. After 4 months and 10 days They can get married But during this period This waiting period They will not get married So they will stop themselves from Getting married And secondly They will also stop themselves From certain other actions also Which are part of marriage Or lead to marriage Which are associated with marriage And basically what are they? First of all تَجْمِيلُ Badan. Beautifying the body Because if you think about it Typically Younger girls When is it that they get interested in makeup? When? Typically When they want to look nice Alright Why do they want to look nice? Why are they so concerned? Why? I mean This morning my daughter wanted to come with me Alright And she was wearing Like striped pajamas no socks, no, nothing in her hair, and she was ready to walk out the door. This is how kids are. Right? Even though they love fancy dresses and nail polish and makeup and things like that, they love it, but they don't realize how they're going outside. Isn't it? But we see that, at, you know, like for example, 15 year old girl, especially 17, 18, 19, alright, as they grow older, they become more conscious when Why are they more conscious? Okay, there is an attraction towards the opposite gender. There is more concern about how I'm looking because people will judge me. Right? People will judge me. And also if you think about it, being self-conscious to a normal extent Where a woman is looking after her clothes, she's ironing her hijab and, you know, she's making sure that she's got light makeup on or whatever. She's coordinating her hijab with her, you know, abaya and her shoes, whatever. Why is she concerned about these things? Because she wants to look good. Sometimes even just for themselves. But the point is that this awareness comes at a stage where a person can get married. So the point is that the reason why a woman is not allowed to do this Tajmirul Badan, beautifying the body during the Hidad. This is something that leads to nikah, or it increases a person's interest in nikah, in getting married. It's associated with nikah. Like for example, when is it that a woman will look her best? On her wedding day. There is Tajmeerul Badan, there is beautification of the body to a great extent. So anyway, the first thing that she has to refrain from with regards to beautification is uh, beautification of the body. And this means even that she will not wear any kuhl. Not even any kuhl in the eyes. Now, kuhl is not your typical eyeliner or mascara. No, it's what is put inside the eyes. I'm not talking about the eyeliner that you put in, in the inside of your eye. I'm talking about the kuhl that is put in the eye for the purpose of treating the eye or keeping the eye clean. But it also beautifies the eye. Alright? You know, kohl we also wear because it's sunnah. Isn't it? But for a woman, it's not just going to clean her eye. Alright? It's also going to beautify her eye. Correct? So even kuhl, she's not going to wear. We learned that once, a woman who was in her hidad, her eye was hurting, and they wanted to put kuhl in her eyes. And they asked the Prophet ﷺ if they could do that, and he forbade that also. He said no. If she's in hidad, no kuhl for her eyes. So firstly, tajmirul badan this is not permissible. This includes no makeup, this includes no styling the hair, or coloring the hair, things like that. One question, uh, can she remove, for example, extra hair from her body, for example, from her face? Yes, this is permissible because this is not part of Tajmil al-Badan. She's not beautifying her body. She's just cleaning herself. Okay, So that is permissible. But it doesn't mean that she's shaping her eyebrows. That is haram anyway. However, if she's used to that and she's shaping the eyebrows even in Hida, that's even more of a problem. Secondly, after Tajmil al-Badan, Huli, which is jewelry. Jewelry also, she's not going to wear. This means no gold, no silver, no fashion jewelry, whether it's real or fake, whether it's uh, in the form of a ring or a necklace or earrings or bangles, bracelets, any kind of jewelry, she's not going to wear. What if they're stuck? Like for example, sometimes women are, you know, have been wearing their gold bangles for like two, three years or they put them on like Several months ago, they never took them off and they're unable to take them off. I remember it so happened with me that I was wearing a bracelet and I was uh, expecting for the first time and I didn't realize that if I don't take it off, it's going to get stuck. Because over the summer, you know, my hands got so swollen that I wasn't able to remove them. So I had to leave them on. I had to leave those bracelets on for several weeks And then eventually when the swelling went down, then I was able to take them off. So in this situation, what will be done? If she's in Hidat, and let's say her bracelets are not coming off, then they have to be cut. They have to be removed. Why? Because it's clearly forbidden from wearing jewelry during this time. Yes, you have a question? Okay, good question. Wedding ring, some scholars allowed it on the basis that it's not huli, meaning a woman does not wear it for the purpose of beautification. She wears it for the purpose of, you know, celebrating her relationship with her husband. Okay? But if you think about it, what is hidad all about? Grieving the loss, but also helping yourself, you know, giving yourself time so that you can move on. Correct? And a wedding ring, even though, you know, a woman may be wearing it to celebrate her relationship with her husband, at the end of the day, it is a piece of jewelry. And it, it does look nice. Which is why it costs so much money. So some scholars did allow it, but it would be safer to not wear it. Thirdly, the third thing that she must refrain from with regards to beautification is wearing clothes That are considered fancy. That are considered zina. Meaning they're beautiful, they're fancy, whether it's a shirt or a pant or trouser, whatever, kameez, chalwar, whatever you want to call it, or even a hijab. And if it's not considered fancy, then there's no harm. So basically the point is that it's not the color that matters. It's not the color that matters. What matters is the nature of the dress. Is it a fancy dress or is it a regular casual dress? Okay? So even if she's wearing white fancy dress, would that be okay? No. What if she's wearing a red casual t-shirt, for example? Is that okay? Yes, that's okay. Okay, so it's not the color... It's the nature of the dress. So, fancy, she's not going to wear. Then, fragrance. Fragrance also, she's not going to wear. Whether it comes in the form of oil, or like a bakhur, which is burnt, and so that the smoke kind of perfumes the clothes or the body. Or it comes in the form of a spray, neither on the face, nor the clothes, nor any part of the body, except... There's only one case where she will apply fragrance and that is in the case of طهر at the end of her menstrual cycle. Because some women they have a need to not just wash up after their menstrual cycle ends but also they have a need to apply some fragrance. So in that case it is permissible. Now the final thing which is leaving her house and this is of course in the case where her husband has died we're talking about the widow leaving her house. There are two main opinions and we have Ihtilaf difference of opinion and the time of the companions also. So we have on the one hand the statements of Ibn Abbas Aisha Anha Jabir Anhu Ali Anhu From all of them there are narrations that indicate that Hidad is a state and not a place. Hidad is about Observing a certain state of mourning Not confining yourself to a place of mourning You understand? There's a difference So this is the reason why They allowed that a woman in Hidad May go out May even do Hajj or Umrah They allowed that Because they said Hidad is about the state that a woman is in so if she has to go for Umrah, let's say she had booked her ticket from before, her brother wants to take her now, so she's going. Can she go? Yes, but while she goes, she's not going to wear fancy clothes, she's not going to wear jewelry, she's not going to wear makeup or perfume or anything like that. Okay? Because it's said that Hidad is a state, not a place. Alright? Then we have another group of companions, for example, Umar anhu and his son Ibn Umar anhu, who said that she must spend the Hidad in the husband's house. Okay? So they said that in addition to observing all of these rulings, she must also spend the entire duration of the Hidad in the house of her deceased husband. So basically, this group of scholars who take the opinion of Umar رضي and Ibn Umar, they said that she cannot stay the night anywhere other than the house of her husband. Because they said, in the Hidad, the place is also included. And what is that place? The house of the husband. So she has to confine herself to that house. So she will not stay the night anywhere else. So based on this, I mean, even then, there is an allowance for her to go out. Because there may be some necessity, there may be some situation of need, where she has to go out of the house. Okay? During the day, or during the night. So during the day, in books of fiqh, we have examples such as, if she's a shepherdess. I mean, she has a flock of sheep, for example. Can she just stay at her husband's house now for 4 months and 10 days and her sheep are just there dying or she lets them go and she loses all of them. Does that make sense? No. She has to take her sheep, she has to bring them back. So they allowed that. So based on this, if a woman is working, if a woman is studying, she has a doctor's appointment, she has to go see the lawyer, You know, she has to go to the bank or she has to take her kids somewhere, who else is going to take them? So is it permissible for her? Is it permissible for her? It is. So basically we see that even though these two opinions exist, right? At the end of the day, yes, a woman, it's better for her to spend as much time as possible in the house of her husband and not go around socializing, party here, restaurant there, you know, a wedding here, another event somewhere else, and she goes on a world tour then. No, it doesn't make sense. Because she's distracting herself. She's not allowing herself to heal. You know, many times when we are in pain, we avoid. We avoid it. We avoid facing it. And that causes us more pain. Right? It's necessary that we face our fears, accept, embrace our pain and loss. That allows healing. Like for example, if let's say a part of your body is hurting a lot. And you may be afraid that this could be something serious. You say, no, I'm not even going to think about it. I'm not going to think about it. Is that going to help you? No. You have to accept it. You have to go to the doctor. Get yourself checked out. That is how you're going to progress. And if you just keep avoiding it, it's not going to help you. So we see that she can go out wherever it is necessary. But she shouldn't be going out just like that. One more thing for a pregnant woman, her hidad is until she gives birth. Not four months and ten days, but until she gives birth. And the hidad begins from the time of death. Any question before we continue? Okay. So the thing is that when it comes to hidad of someone other than a widow, Remember that first of all, typically it was the women who observed hidad. Okay, in that culture. And a widow would observe hidad for one year. And we see that even today, people, they remain in a state of mourning for 40 days, sometimes several years, right? So every now and then they they have an event in which they will remember the person who has died. What is that? Chalisma, that's on the 40th day. Barsi, what's a Barsi? Does anybody know? Is it after one year? In Pakistani culture. So anyway, people do have these things. So in Arabia also they had certain customs, but it was typically women who observed this. Now, for men, in the case of the loss of wife, there's no hidad of four months and ten days. But if a man is grieving, so let's say he's not going to work, for example, he's taking time off, what do we learn? that it should not be more than three days. After three days, you kind of have to push yourself, force yourself to move on. Is that clear? So the first three days, you mourn the death. You limit your socialization, your interaction with people. The reality is, today, it's the exact opposite. The first three days, what happens to the family of the deceased? What happens? They are receiving guests From morning till past midnight Their house becomes what? A place of entertainment Where people are just sitting And sitting and sitting And now they must be served some food And then there should be some tea I honestly thought Maybe this was just Pakistani culture Or maybe this was something That was done only back home But I'm sorry to say when Recently, actually it's been a year or two I went to somebody's house In fact, one of our previous students, because their mother had passed away. And I was amazed to see that their entire living room was full of people. And they were just sitting. And the daughters have no space to, you know, to cry or to, you know, prepare their food or let their father come in because the women are just sitting and they're not going away. There was no scene of people leaving. Not at all. I mean, yes, you go to offer your condolences, but go briefly, go for a few minutes, and then get up and leave. Give the family time and space they need to heal. And we need to create this change. Let's stop waiting for other people to bring this change. We need to create this change. So if you ever go for condolences and you see people just sitting there, tell them, let us go. Let us go. Encourage each other to go, and if the family requests you that please, we would like to have our time and space, then respect that. Okay, let me answer that question first. That is the wife supposed to wear, or the widow supposed to wear white clothes? What did I tell you? It's not the color, it's the nature of the dress. So she might be wearing white clothes that have a fancy, you know, lace on the side or some kind of embroidery or something. Is that okay? It's not okay because it's a fancy dress. Okay, so it's not the color, it's the nature of the dress that matters. Go ahead. Sometimes what happens is that when the body is before uh, it's washed and shrouded or sometimes after it's washed and shrouded it's uh, kept in the house for some time and then people come and see the body Is that okay? I mean, sometimes it happens that there's a delay between the washing and shrouding and the janazah prayer Sometimes you can't help it The body is just there The janazah was supposed to be at a certain time It cannot be moved before So you have to wait And if people are coming and they are just sitting on the side offering their condolences, it's okay. But if they're coming and removing the kafan again and again to see the face, and they're kissing, and they're crying, and they're wailing, that's not okay. Yes, it's not necessary. In fact, we learned that the janazah should be taken as quickly as possible. It should not be delayed unnecessarily. Anything else? Yes. Sometimes it happens that somebody loses a loved one and they're not able to come out of that state of grief for a very long time. So what should be done? We are all in need of reminders. right وطواصل بالحق وطواصل بالصبر We learn in a hadith that inshallah we will see very soon that Prophet ﷺ advised his daughter اصبري واحتسبي Be patient and expect reward from Allah. When her son died, so the Prophet ﷺ advised her. So just like that, if you know someone who is grieving, and it's been more than three days, or a widow, it's been years since her waiting period was over, and she's still grieving, in the sense that she never wears fancy clothes, and she never puts on makeup, and she never smiles, and she's constantly grieving, then it's our responsibility to kind of help her come out of that state of grief. And one mistake that we make is that we tell people, don't be sad. Or we tell people, get over it. That's not possible. And that's not what we're being asked to do. To get over our loss. To not feel sad. No. What we are taught is that you change your behavior. That's what you have to do. Because you have control over your actions. You should not live in grief and celebrate grief. In the Qur'an, How many times we're told to not grieve? And there what is meant is not that we force our feelings to change. That's beyond our control. What's meant is that we should change our actions, our attitude, our behavior. Yes. Okay, the question is that can a body be transported from one country or place to another for the purpose of burial? Do you know what needs to be done in order to take the body for such a long distance? Hmm? Besides the expenses. What else needs to be done to the body? Does anybody know? Yes? The organs have to be removed. Certain chemicals have to be applied on the body, inside and outside, in order to somewhat preserve the body so that it won't begin decomposing during the transportation. Think about it. Would that be okay? Is that respectful? So then, go ahead. The thing is that regardless of how the relationship was, she was still his wife. So for four months and ten days, it's not that she has to cry every day, right? That's not what we're told. She's not supposed to remarry. She's not supposed to start looking for marriage. She's not supposed to dress up and, you know, socialize, etc. This is a requirement. Okay? Then her Hidad will only be one week long. If she delivers the same day, or two days later, several hours later, that's okay. Because in the Quran, that's what we learned, that for pregnant women, the term of the duration of the idda is until they give birth. Somebody was raising their hand? Yeah. JazakAllah khair for bringing that up. When you go to the masjid, to perform the funeral prayer, and you have met the family, and offered your condolences, you don't need to go to the house of the deceased you don't need to do that you can send food for them to make their life easy alright but then just drop it at the door and go away you don't even need to go inside you don't need to go inside and sit for a few minutes and ask them again and ask them to repeat the story again no don't make them grieve more you should be helping them and I would request the older people among you that please you have the ability to tell one another. For younger girls, sometimes it's difficult. Because if they tell an auntie, that maybe you should think about going now, the auntie may get offended. Really. Younger girls are not in that position. Because they say anything, firstly, people assume these girls are rude anyway. And now because they have learned a few things, they are being bossy. Alright? So sometimes they're not in that position to tell people. So if you are of that age... Older than the younger girls, then please do amr bil ma'ruf wa al munkar. Tell people to get up and get along with their lives, and let the people of the house also get along with their lives. Yes. See, fragrance is not allowed. Inshallah, I will check. You see, in ihram there is no scented lotion or scented soap or anything. Inshallah, I will check that. Does the same level of prohibition apply to a mourning woman, or is it just applying perfume? Inshallah, I will check that. Okay. No, because uh, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala has put a limit of four months and ten days, all right, for the widow. And if she does not wish to get married, it's fine, right? It's fine. But she doesn't have to remain in a state of sadness. If she's not interested in getting married, and she doesn't dress up like typically women do, she doesn't wear jewelry like you know typically as women do. It's fine. That's her choice, all right. That's her choice. But should she continue with that state of hidad? No. There is a limit. Alright? Yes, sister. See, when people sit together and eat food, what does that make the occasion? More? Happy? Right? Festive. Remember the Yun asked Isa alayhi that would Allah send down a ma'idah for us? تَكُونُ lana that's what they wanted, that we want some heavenly food and then we will make that as a day of celebration. So food makes an event more festive, which is why if you go somewhere and there's no food, it doesn't feel like, you know, it's good enough. So are you allowed to bring food to the family of the deceased? Yes, you can. But should you now sit with them and eat with them? And then other people are also bringing food and sitting and eating. And then people who came to offer condolences, they're also asked, come and sit and eat. No. Don't do that. Okay. Now if the family is asking you, okay, that's different. Let's say you are very close to them and you have been with them since morning. For example, you went to the funeral place, you helped wash the body and now you've come home with them, you're looking after them, you're helping them and they say, Eat. Okay, That's different But turning it into a festive occasion That is problematic You know We have to create this change So if you are part of the family Where somebody has passed away Don't serve food Don't serve tea Don't serve baklava or anything Don't serve any food Because think about it This is a time where we have to take ibrah. We have to think about the hereafter Prepare for our death And we have made death into a celebration also. Okay. If there is a lot of food, okay? Let's say too many people have been bringing food and now there's so much food and the family cannot finish all of it. Can the family give to others? Yes, they can. But there's different ways of doing that. You can either package food and send it or just tell people, please take some food with you when you go. Or you can say, come let's sit down and eat and you're heating up all the food and setting the table and everybody's sitting together and eating. That is problematic because it can be burdensome on the family. I mean, the food itself is not haram. Okay? Itself is not haram. So uh, there's no harm in eating it, in taking it. And if, like, let's say the family in a situation where lots of people are coming and they want to serve food, that's also okay. Okay? It's okay if they want to do it, you know, with the intention of earning rewards because feeding, giving food to people is also a good deed. That's okay. However, you see, it's not that simple, you know. It has turned into a tradition. People expect it. And the money of the disease that should be going to the heirs is now being spent on food. Right? Because in certain cultures it's an expectation that when you go for condolences, then food should be offered. Lots of food should be offered. Not just on the day of, but the following day and the day after. And then on the 40th day. And then when a year goes by. Celebrations are expected. And this is unfair. We see that our deen is simple. And death should be a time of ibrah, not a time of celebration. Anyway, inshallah, we will conclude over here. Subhanakallahum wa bihamdik. Ashadu wa la ilaha illa anta. Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.